heard a song, but I don't remember when. Like I said, he would buy a rocking chair. Welcome to the Little Bit Out West podcast. Today we're going to get just a little bit out west. I, uh, I asked on social media for some suggestions of what people would like to hear. And Wildman of the Wildman and Steve show wanted to know how a retired truck driver, guitarist, singer, and musician is called to be a pastor. Well, okay, so in order to answer that question... Of course, there's a really long story that goes with that, just like everybody else. I mean, I'm an old man, so I've got a lot of history that goes into that. But really, the the short answer to the question is that I pretty much just followed my nose and made a ton of mistakes. And I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up, even though I'm past retirement age and I've done so many different things. There's a verse that I think of when I get onto that subject. In Ecclesiastes 9.10, it says, Do what comes to your hand with all your heart. And so there, there were several opportunities in my life where I just really felt like it was my job to do what came along and presented itself. I had a minister tell me back when I was a kid that I shouldn't turn down any opportunity that came my way. And so I sort of took that to heart. You know, part of the story, we packed up our kids and we headed off to Montana because somebody said that they believed that we were called to pastor a church in Montana on the Indian reservation. And so we headed up there. And when we got there, absolutely everything went wrong. We eventually wound up in Sheridan, Wyoming, because that's where the U-Haul truck was supposed to be turned in. So we went there and had a few miraculous situations happen. But the short part of the story, so that I don't take too long, is is that we just we spent several years trying to establish ourselves as mis- as missionaries, and eventually had to admit defeat and and move on. While I was being a missionary, that was when I took the job as a cowboy. And so I learned cowboying from this old guy who, as it turns out, was an infiltrator in the church. And so (laughs) we didn't know it, but everything we were doing in that church was being undermined and worked against by the man who was employing me. And so after that, I took several jobs where I was doing cowboy work. I went from one ranch where we had horses and we did everything on horseback. And then I went to another place where everything was done on four-wheelers and motorcycles. And so I experienced a wide range of those things. And I mean, if I added up all of the jobs that I've had over my life, I, I don't know. There'd probably be, I mean, I don't know. 50 or 60 jobs or something, maybe. I don't know. Um, I've done everything from dishwashing to, you know, being the executive officer in a army company. 
And so, you know, during most of the time in our ministry experience, things didn't go the way we wanted them to. And I, you know, I had this vision of going and pastoring this church and leading worship and leading Bible studies and preaching to thousands of people and, and all of that. And, and yet it seemed like really what I wound up doing was this other work, this cowboying. And, and then for a while I worked at a golf course. And, and then because I couldn't make a living as a cowboy, couldn't survive, we, you know, the money just, if, if you know anything about cowboying, hired hands don't make much. You do the job pretty much for the opportunity to be in the outdoors with the animals. I mean, that's sort of your perk. <laughs> and so so then when the government said that they would send me to truck driving school, I said, sure, I'll go do that. And so then we started trucking. And I did that for 15 years. And in between, I also went to Bible college. And while I was at Bible college, I was licensed as a minister. But really, a ministry license, I've had two or three of those in my lifetime as well. And what you learn after a while is is that a ministry license doesn't mean anything. Um, what matters is if somebody cares about what you think and if they'll listen to you. And so really, I guess the answer to, to your question, wild man, is the way that you get to be a pastor is you find people that want to listen to you and actually care what you think. Um, and I just keep doing whatever comes along and says, this needs to be done, and so then I just do it. And that's sort of been the theme. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 22 and 23, it says, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not just with eye service as men-pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. You know, I really didn't like that verse very much because I really didn't want to be a servant. I didn't really want to be an employee. I wanted to be my own boss, and I don't like doing what other people tell me to do. But I think God was really working in me this, you need to do what you're doing as unto God. And so I made up my mind that my boss wasn't my boss, but God was my boss. And so I would do my work as unto him. One of the other things that I learned about that was is that as a servant to God and not as a servant to men, it gave me a greater level of freedom to be able to, if I, if I wanted to just pick up and move from that job, I could just do that because that job wasn't my source for income, but God was my source for income. And if God said move, I could move knowing that he had something else in mind for me. It was also interesting along the way that we found that if we were doing what God wanted us to do, even if it wasn't our first choice, even if it wasn't, actually it was our last choice in some cases, he would still work in us to, to give us peace in that situation and to lead us. You know, when we first went to Montana, I was thinking of, western montana where all the pretty stuff is the pretty trees and the mountains and all that but instead we went to eastern montana it's not 
quite as pretty over there. And I had these visions of, you know, the woods and the mountains, the streams. But instead, we went to eastern Montana, where it's mostly high prairie, high desert kind of environment. And one of the places that we went was a coal mining town, and they had a power plant there. So they, they mined the coal, and then they would truck the coal over to the power plant. Then the power plant burnt the coal and pr produced power that went all over. And so even though we were country folk and back then we were environmentalists, we were living in this power plant town. We were 100 feet from the railroad track and a quarter mile from the power plant. And so the power plant pumped out smoke all day long and the train would come by every once in a while. And it felt like I was coming. It, it felt like it was coming right through our bedroom. The first week that we got into that trailer, I I had a shed out back that needed some repairs on the roof and so I did that at night. I was putting shingles on the on the roof of the shed at night just by the light from the street lights because I mean, in a town where there's a power plant, <laughs> um there really wasn't much darkness there. It was brighter than most cities because that was the source and they used a lot of it. <laughs> Uh, you know, we were we were completely opposed to all this, but yet we were happy. We knew that we were content because God was providing that contentment, and God brought us the grace to be able to live there and to to live like that, even though it wasn't what we wanted. You know, I had I had sworn I'll never live in a a trailer, and yet when it came down to it, I bought a trailer and. We lived in that trailer, even though it was like the worst trailer in town. But we lived there, and we were content, and we we felt like God was leading us. And that's really what you find out is that in God's will, you're content. That's what Paul said. He said, "I have I have learned to be content in whatever situation I'm in." That's in Philippians four eleven. And we found the same thing, that as long as we were following what God wanted us to do, and as long as we were sure that what we were doing was what God wanted us, wanted us to do, we were able to be content in that situation. The real conflict comes if you're not sure. If you just really want to do something and you go and do that thing, then when it all falls apart, which it will, you feel lost and abandoned and alone and and you're you're not able to cast that care over onto the Lord. I heard this one preacher say one time. He said that God told him, "If all I ever ask you to do is take out the trash one time, that's going to be the most wonderful experience you've ever had." Whatever God tells you to do, if it's God, He's going to show you how to do it. He's going to pay for it. And you are going to be content in that thing that you're doing. You know, when you look through the Bible, people say, well, you know, if, if you're following God's will, you're going, to be, you're going to be like Joseph. You're going to be abandoned and sold and put in prison and have to go through a really hard time. And then, but, but someday in the sweet by and by, you're going to become the prime minister of a nation. Because if you'll be faithful, then God will reward that. 
And then other people say that if you're out of the will of God, that that's what's going to happen. You're going to get abandoned and sold and put in prison. The reality is that when you look through the Bible, nobody really had an easy time out of it. You just do what you feel like God is telling you to do. And then you cast that care on the Lord. You can't know everything. You can't figure it all out. You just have to do what he tells you to do as he tells you to do it. The Bible says that he leads us step by step. We don't need to know the whole situation. We just need to know what the next step is. And really, I mean, that's that's how I got to here is I just went one step at a time doing what I felt like was right. And I can't let myself worry about whether or not I did the right thing or the wrong thing. I just did what I thought was best at the time. And the rest of that's on God. He's He's going to have to take care of that because I'm just not that smart, and neither are you. And thank God for that, because that's why he sent Jesus, because he knew we couldn't do it for ourselves. All right, so I think you got the point there. I'm going to I'm going to move on. I also ran across some music I wanted to share with you this week. This is a a song from the album Prodigal Son by Carl Cohase. And I just really wanted to share this with you. I'm going to do an album review f- for you in a week or so. Um, we'll go through and and listen to the whole album, um, or at least parts of it, and I'll give you my my opinion about it. It really is a great album. But this song, I think you're going to enjoy this. Here it comes.
that song would really fit in with the whole story that I've been given to you. Um, I even wrote one myself called Prodigal Son because my life, I started out in the church, so to speak, and then I left the church and then I came back to the to, to God. And that's sort of been the story of my life is that I tried things my own way and I found out I couldn't really do that. And the beauty of it is that none of us can, and that's why we have a Savior. That's why Jesus came to give us what we couldn't give ourselves. And I suppose my overall message with this podcast is you need to come to that place where you realize you're not all that, and you can't make it happen forever. You might be able to for a while, but sooner or later, you're going to come to that place where you say, I need some help. And when you come to that place, I can promise you there's somebody there who wants to help. And not only help, but make it all right. As right as it can possibly be, that's what God wants to do. And uh, and so I will quit preaching at you, and we'll just see you next week. Have a good week. Bye-bye.